Welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Shika Chaturvedi, and I head global natural gas strategy here at JP Morgan. Today, I want to take a few minutes to discuss the European natural gas market, particularly the price slide that it is undergoing currently, and what does that actually really mean for this market going forward. So just to give you a lay of the land of the market as we see it fundamentally today, Northwest Europe, which in our balances is comprised of France, Germany, Denmark, Netherlands, and Belgium, is now about 65% full in storage. As a reference, that's nearly 20 percentage points higher than the five-year average and 22 percentage points higher than last year. Much of that cushion is owed to the dramatically mild weather experienced this winter in Europe, which allowed for much of that winter price premium to be eroded from the market. However, we had assumed that with the reopening of China alongside increasing industrial demand with lower prices, it'd be enough to start creating a tighter balance heading into 3Q. And as we're now sitting in the back half of 2Q23 already, LNG demand has certainly been quieter than we had anticipated. And we have yet to really see the rebound in demand we were expecting as prices fell toward 50 or even comfortably below 50 euros per megawatt hour. As a result, about two weeks ago, uh, we published an update to our European natural gas price forecast where we dramatically revised our 3Q23 price forecast from 70 euros per megawatt hour to 27 euros per megawatt hour. So this is a huge difference. And today, as we record this podcast, TTF price is sitting around 24 euros per megawatt hour. There are two major reasons why we have revised our price outlook for the balance of 2023 and even 1Q2024 lower. Um, first, on the supply side, LNG imports to Europe have been plentiful, particularly owing to the weaker demand in the LNG market. But also, even as a result of the resumption of LNG supply from the Freeport facility that restarted. With France taking in more LNG after the strikes, we calculate that Northwest Europe is now taking in record levels of LNG, averaging 6 BCM in April, and even slightly higher than that this month. This pace of LNG imports is unsustainable, and if we were to continue at this level, we could reach storage congestion as early as August. In part, one of the aspects that has also been missing from the European natural gas balance is the return of industrial demand. There's been prevailing weakness in industrial demand during 2Q, which definitely did catch us off guard. And, and the question is if this weakness is structural or temporary in nature. And how is it that oil demand can look so strong as our analysts have been consistently publishing about, but natural gas demand or even metals demand is faltering? So first it comes down to where the rebound in economic activity is being driven. There's clearly a rebound on the services side which has helped to boost oil demand from transport fuels, while the manufacturing side has been a laggard. So looking closer to the manufacturing side, there are a few reasons that we think could be driving this weakness and they, they come from both the macro perspective and also specific to natural gas. So on the macro side, the question becomes if this is an issue of this great destocking that we've been hearing about, about um, finished end goods. Um, in fact, our economist published uh, about this last week. And so we would recommend reading, you know, Joe Lupton's piece, which is called Fog Warning in Search of Global Goods Sector Rebound. Um, but really what this is about is the idea that inventory levels and end consumer inventory levels have were increasing 
um, significantly in 2022. And now that we're coming out of that, we're trying to normalize from a stocks perspective. And we've heard this in the pet chem space as well, that this was happening in 4Q um, into the 1Q period. Um, and so ultimately, as inventories normalize, the idea is that the manufacturing sector will be able to rebound as the end goods sort of demand still remains strong. Um, and, and that's something that our economists are sticking to, particularly with the tight labor market. Um, it does feel as if there is still support for this end goods buying that's out there and consumption that's out there. So it does suggest that we could see a rebound in the industrial sector very soon. But there's this other side of it where it's, is this weakness not about this destocking and is it something that's more to do with that's structural in nature for the industrial sector. I mean, I think Germany's technical recession this week has done a little to assuage to fears of the market participants, who particularly those in Europe have been overwhelmingly, um, have this overwhelming fear that stronger recession risks are already ahead of us. Um, officially, our economists continue to believe that there's going to be a soft landing in the U.S., and they really have not capitulated to this idea of the systemic weakness, but it's really hard to combat the psychology of the market, which is very pervasive at this point in time. So I wish we had the answer to this question. We don't, but what I do know is from a natural gas perspective, a shift in behavior on the manufacturing side over the next two months seems unlikely. Um, we're not seeing it from a demand perspective. Um, and so it's not really even going to be strong enough to change the trajectory of the European of European natural gas storage, which is what's very important to avoid congestion. Um, so it brings us more specifically to if there's something happening from a natural gas perspective. And I would say that the primary thing that we're pointing to is that there's this idea of energy optimization. If you were a corporate or even a country that was not paying attention to the risk management of energy portfolios before 2022, um, I absolutely believe that most are doing it today and finding opportunities to become efficient. So we have from the low hanging fruit of you know, switching to LED light bulbs uh, for energy efficiency, turning down heat and even reducing availability of warm water at plants. Those types of things are certainly there, but we have heard of even more intricate energy saves where um, you, we've figured out ways to reduce the amount of heat needed for an industrial process, or even finding ways to recycle existing heat from other processes. And so those actually feel like they are going to be um, more permanent demand destruction in nature. And it's very difficult to suggest what that sort of number is for the permanent demand destruction in Europe, particularly with a lot of the energy intensive um, industries still offline. But what we can say is we're leaning towards at least 5% of in, in European industrial demand destruction is likely permanent. Um, we'll have to see from here, but it, it definitely will have probably more uh, of an impact going forward. Um, but it's not just on the corporate side in, in Europe, right? It's also countries. We're looking at Japan and China, Japan bringing on their nuclear uh, power plants, which has helped to really you know, reduce their amount of LNG demand. I think so far this year, they're trailing about 2 BCM and their intake of LNG. Um, and so that certainly will go a long way to kind of, particularly with Japan being the largest importer of LNG last year, um, this would probably go a long way to help uh, balance the LNG market. And China, you know, we're, you know I, I think it's important to remember that, you know, it was across the Northern hemisphere that 
we all did not have winter. So we're pretty long hydrocarbons all around and China particularly is from a coal stocks perspective. And so we think that, you know, it's going to be very important, but it, there's probably not this willingness anymore to bid on cargoes for LNG at 20 or $30 per MMBTU. And if we're really looking at it, you know, we thought below $15 per MMBTU, we'd see Asian countries come in. We have yet to see that. And so now we're looking at $10. Okay, now as we slide below this, is this the price level? And so we're waiting to see, but it feels like if you could figure out the secret sauce of 2022 um, and being able to switch to other fuel sources, then ultimately, and, and in not reaching a recession or a deep recession for that matter, um, there, there is a way out of this without using natural gas is what we basically learned in 2022. But we do think, you know, as you know, we put our price forecast sitting at 27 euros per megawatt hour. And I have to say that I, there is a soft floor that we think will start to emerge. And it comes from two different ways. On the LNG side, when spot cargoes become cheaper than longer term contracted cargoes, it does offer an opportunity for some countries like Japan and China to defer their LNG cargoes that are in long term contract. Um, and in favor of the spot cargoes. And we look at that price range in the third quarter to be somewhere between $7 to $9 per MMBTU, uh, $7 based off the current forward curve versus $9 based off of our bread oil price forecast. But also, as we slide past this 25 euro per megawatt hour level, uh, we certainly think that we're now going to start to see an increase into lignite switching um, for Europe, which should bring on some more demand. We think it could be as much as, uh, you know, 10 to 15 million cubic meters a day, if not even slightly more than that, um, just watching the power generation levels. So this certainly could provide a soft floor for pricing. So that's why we sit at around 27 euros per megawatt hour for the average in 3Q23. And we do expect upside risk from there um, as we go into the winter, because I think it's very real that we cannot say that winter weather won't change things. It's, it's a very much a real risk in the market. It played out last winter. It will play out again this winter in one way or another. So there should be some risk premium that certainly exists in the 4Q and the 1Q portions until we figure out what the weather is going to be. I want to just caution very quickly that, you know, enter, uh, you know, asymmetric upside risk is still very much a part of this balance. And, you know, if we have weather this summer, or Russia decides to curtail any more supply, which we, we think is unlikely. But um, if they were to do that, it would tighten up the balance very quickly. And for every molecule that Europe is searching for because they're behind, which will take some time to get them behind, given how much cushion they have, it will be that much more stressful on the natural gas market. So we're not abandoning that idea by any means, but under status quo today, um, not seeing very much change on the industrial demand perspective, we do see weaker prices going forward. So that's that's all from me today. I, I want to thank you all for listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan at Any Rate podcast. And we look forward to continuing the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures, 2023 JP Morgan Chase and Company All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on May 26, 2023.